Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 you know and then you've got people like noah think about the life of noah for a sec god chooses him out of all the people on the entire earth why did god choose him to build the ark and to save humanity and to propagate the line of the Savior. Well, God saw him as a righteous man. He was righteous above all people in an evil, wicked world. He lands, right? The flood dissipates. He gets off the ark in chapter 9, and he plants a vineyard. Nothing wrong with planting a vineyard. But then he started drinking of the vineyard, and the Bible says he got drunk. And it brought shame on him, and it was just one of those things that, to this day, we still have consequences. I don't have time to get into it, but that one mistake. And God's providence, he just ties it all together. That's what blows me away about the Lord in the midst of all of our mistakes and everything else. They play right into his hand because God is that deep in his wisdom. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And when you read the story of Noah, wine was a mocker to him. Now, you've got others that say, the Bible tells us that God made wine to be enjoyed, Jesus drank it, and just because something can be abused doesn't mean that we should, should abstain from it. This is definitely a disputable matter when you hear all the arguments. So what do you do in cases like that? What do you do when, when that becomes the issue, right? So you got people that would be divided on the whole issue of dancing. you got people who would be divided on the whole issue of wine. What about the two M words? Music and makeup, <laughs> I got news for you. Worship music is going to be controversial till we get home to be with Jesus. Then you're going to find out that Christ Community Church had it right. You know what? I tell Grisel, man, sometimes the people, when they sing the hymns, the roof is raised. Hymns are easy to sing to, right? Those other songs, the new modern songs, I love the words. They minister to me. I just can't sing, but I can sing a hymn. Well, halfway, I can sing a hymn. And so you've got this issue of music. People, some people won't come into Christ Community Church because they say, man, they are unsaved. They're playing those modern worship. You know, there's a local, I kid you not, true story. Local pastor says that we're of the devil because we have drums in our worship and drums call evil spirits. He said that. 
But think about that for a minute. You've got the old school that say, man, what about the hymns? You've got the others that say, we like the modern songs. So now they're starting to go down the middle and they're taking hymns and they're putting modern music to it to reach the younger people. But it's all a matter of preference. Your personal preference, when somebody says, man, they're not right with God, they're displeasing the Lord because of these modern worship songs, that's not true at all. It's not true. It's nowhere in the Bible it says that. As long as they're glorifying the Lord. As long as there's songs that glorify the Lord. My favorite song is not even a modern worship song. My favorite song is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Because when I found out that Jesus saved me, and He covered all of my sins, because I knew the depth of my sin, and depth of my depravity, I fell to my knees, and the first time I heard Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I cried. And that's been my favorite song ever since. What about makeup? I know girls that grew up in a church where they said, if you wear makeup, you're the devil. So what it did was cause some of them, when they would go to school, they would put makeup on at their friend's house and then go to school. And before they got home, they'd take it off at their friend's house and come home. But see, where does makeup fit into the essentials of salvation and where's the room for that what are you basing that on and that's what Paul's argument is here he's making this argument that there's no way that that could even play into the non-essentials should never lead to criticism or condemnation of others look at verse 1 Again, and I want you to read this with me. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let me tell you what he's talking about there. He's talking about criticizing those, the stronger in faith, were saying, you guys, you're abstaining from me? What's wrong with you? They start criticizing them using their freedom to beat them down for holding to the food laws, the dietary laws, and these other things that they were raised in, and they're getting a beat down. Do you know the word despise there is the same one that is used of Jesus when the Roman soldiers mocked Him and beat on Him and persecuted Him? In Luke 23.11 it says, And Herod and his soldiers treated Him, Jesus, with contempt and mocked Him, then arraying Him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. So the supposedly more mature Christians or the stronger in the faith that had gone beyond that point began to criticize. But then you had the weaker in the faith were beginning to judge. Look what it says. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. And that's the key. The word for judgment there is krinos, which could mean condemning. He used it. Paul used it in another portion of Romans of condemnation. That's how strong it is. When you look at both of those words between the two parties in the same church, you get an understanding of the depth and how severe the division was that was taking place. I mean, you truly were like looking at a church split there. So you've got... All these things that are there that... What about the Sabbath day? You know, where do you fall on the Sabbath? Because some will say, well, Sunday now is the Sabbath day. And yeah, there's stuff that leans towards that. 
that say that, you know, the early church in 1 Corinthians 16, in Acts chapter 20, I believe, they gathered on the first day of the week in honor of the resurrection is what they believe. The day was changed, so the Sabbath no longer applied. So now people say, wait a minute, Sunday now is the day, it's the first day of the week. But what if you're in a Muslim country? What if you're in a Muslim country where Friday is their day off? You're in this Muslim country and people from the United States would tell missionaries, you can't meet on Friday. That's not the Lord's day. And you've got the same attitude that's happening here. You've got the same attitude that's going on here. Non-essential should never lead to the criticism that we see. And I believe that this judgment that's going on could be the very thing that Jesus was trying to get across on the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, he said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The distinguished 19th century church historian Philip Chaff calls this saying, the watchword of Christian peacemakers. He said, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and all things, charity. And that's what needs to be. You have to have the heart of God. So here's what I want to ask you today. How do you deal with disputable matters? What do you do? And Paul gives the lessons here on how to deal with non-essential matters. Those opinions and everything else. One, you're not supposed to violate your conscience. You're not supposed to violate your conscience. Look at verse 5. It says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. It's wrong to do something that you don't believe is right. In fact, look at verse 23 again. He even brings the impact here. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever he does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever he does that doesn't proceed from faith, he says, is sin. So if that person doesn't believe he should be eating something or participating in something because it would violate their relationship with God, he says, that's sin. And I'll tell you what it does. It wears down the conscience. The conscience is the mechanism that God gave you to determine and to navigate through life on what is right and wrong. And when you begin to violate your conscience on one thing such as this, it could lead to others where doing the wrong thing does not even feel wrong anymore. And that's why he's taking this approach. You would think Paul would say, hey, wait a minute. Don't you understand? You don't have to worship on that day. Don't you understand? You can eat a pork sandwich. Don't you understand? You can drink that wine even though it was offered to gods. They're false gods. There's nothing there. Instead of Paul saying that, he's saying, wait a minute, don't violate your conscience. Because once you begin to violate your conscience, then you're in trouble. And before long, it wears down. In verse 14, he says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Do you see what Paul's doing? He's telling them, would you understand these people over here? Instead of criticizing them for not participating what you're participating in, can you not see the problem here? And he's telling them to have patience. 
when you begin to violate or cause somebody to violate their own conscience, you're in trouble. Because now it's going to wear down to where... That's why patience in Christianity is so important. I thank God for the people who had patience with me. They had to see me as an idiot one time. You know, when I first started out with the Lord, I was preaching everywhere, but I had taken with me, you need to do this to get right with God. None of that had anything to do with Scripture. And I had a guy who discipled me. He had patience with me. And I look back on those years, and I don't know how he did it, because I was a problem child. But he did. And that's what he's saying here. So one, never violate your conscience. It's right there in chapter 14. But number two, allow the gospel to transform your conscience. You can't always be set in your ways if God's word is leading you in another direction and that path is getting a little bit narrow and your your understanding is getting a little bit wider as you get into God's word. That is so important because think about the one who wrote that. The Apostle Paul himself, in Philippians chapter 3, he said that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee concerning the law. He said he was blameless. That guy obeyed every dietary law. He obeyed every holy day that was rooted in the Old Testament. And he is the very one that says, I'm no longer in that camp. I'm in this camp now. So what you get out of 14 is Paul gently, not beating them, but gently leading them into a transformation of their own conscience into the freedom, all the freedom of Christ. And yet Paul would still not exercise all of his freedoms because when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, don't we have a right to get paid? And he even uses Old Testament scripture, but he said he surrendered that right for the sake of the gospel. In other words, he had the freedom But he surrendered that because he was looking at those that were under him, that were weaker than him. Very, very important. You've got to allow the gospel to transform your conscience. And that's why in verse 14, he says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. That's a powerful statement coming from an ex-Pharisee coming from a man who claimed to be a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And not only that, he said he was from the tribe of Benjamin. That's why I had so much fight in him when it came to attacks on the church. Number three, don't sit in God's judgment seat. This is important. Read with me again verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Please take note, it doesn't say we will sit in the judgment seat of God. We will stand before the judgment seat of God. And give an account, it says. Look at verses 5 to 10, he explains this. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Do you see that? Even though they honor and stuck to specific days, they were doing it in honor of the Lord. The weaker people were still honoring the Lord. He goes on to say, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. 
For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So, you don't belong to somebody else. You belong to the Lord, is what he's saying. This is why another believer has no reason or right, I should say, to pass judgment on somebody else. They don't have that right because they don't belong to you. They belong to the Lord. And as long as they're doing what they're doing in honor of the Lord and it's not sin and it's out of their own conscience, they have every right to do it. And the stronger ones have no right to condemn them. They have no right to do that because that's God's job. He's the one who's going to sit in the judgment seat. He is the one. Now, there's two judgment seats. There's the great white throne judgment, and there is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bema seat. We won't fall under judgment for condemnation, but we will be held accountable for what we did for the Lord. There's a stewardship that goes there. And part of that has to do with Romans 14. The way we function and the way we act in the body of Christ. So we have no right to sit in the judgment seat. Listen to. I know many Jewish believers that meet on Sabbath. And they honor every holy day. They honor Passover. They honor the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of first fruits. They do every holiday and holy day that's in the Old Testament. But many Gentiles judge them and say, what are they doing? And you know what they're doing? They're using that to reach out to other Jewish people so that they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when they teach on those things, those holy days, they teach how Jesus fulfilled it. But today you have so many people judging others that would honor those holy days. And I would put this before you. It's not essential for your salvation, but maybe you should participate in some of those to get an understanding of what God meant for that and how Jesus would fulfill it. I have many Jewish friends that do that. We don't have the right to pass judgment. You know why we pass judgment? Look at verse 10 again. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? That's the question. Well, I'll tell you why. I've got a ton of reasons, but I'll give you three right now. One is insecurity. Insecurity. It makes us feel better about ourselves when we judge others. We know that that person is better than us. And somehow we think it will make us feel better about ourselves if we judge them and bring them down to where we're at. Number one, insecurity. But number two, identity problem. They have an identity crisis. They have not realized that they've been fully accepted before the Lord God Almighty. So as understanding a child of God, my relationship has changed. I don't need to judge anybody. I don't need to condemn anybody. But if I lack understanding on that, I'm going to judge other people. And the way that happens is when you have a group of people around you, you begin to talk about other people at work maybe maybe you're at work and you begin to talk about your boss he walks out of the room and you despise you you know you should be sitting in the boss's seat so you begin to talk about him and you begin to gain the approval of others around you and that's the whole reason if you do not understand your identity in Christ you're going to try and get approval from others in your circle 
And that is always going to bring up judgment. You're going to judge others in order to find your approval with them. And then number three is pride. Why do I pass judgment on you and why do you pass judgment on me? Because we think too highly of ourselves. Because we think too highly of ourselves. I think I'm right and you think you're right. I think I'm more spiritual than you, so I judge others. To at least make me appear as the spiritual one. Happens all the time. Can you believe what so-and-so did? They went to Las Vegas for vacation. (laughs) Can you believe so-and-so didn't even go to the missions fundraiser? And I could probably say, man, let me look at what you gave to missions. And you gave a whole dollar over the last year. Right? We tend to judge others to make us look more spiritual. And that's why we judge. Man, it's total pride in us. We think of ourselves way up here when really we're way down here. We always judge on limited knowledge too, don't we? You don't have all the information, but God does. God has all the information and He's the only one that has the right to judge. The last thing I'm going to say is you need to realize that your fellow Christian's spiritual well-being is more important than your freedom. And that's verse 25. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Do you realize how precious that person is? Christ died for that person. Look at verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. In other words, I have the freedom, but what is it doing for the other person? That My fellow believer, is it causing him to stumble? Am I throwing a bunch of banana peels in front of him and making him stumble left and right just because I have the right to do that? Two things happen. Listen. When we do that, number one, we are not walking in love. Look at verse 15 again. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. And number two, we are destroying the work of God. Verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. We can't do that, you guys. He says, this is one of the key verses, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, what we have in this earth, what our pleasures are, what our freedoms are, take a backseat to our brother's spiritual health. And if it causes them to stumble, we shouldn't do it because that isn't what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about eating steak. It isn't about drinking wine. It isn't about any of that. It is about righteousness. Righteousness has an ethical dimension. Paul uses it in a right relationship with God. So it's about righteousness, our relationship with God. Peace, he says, it's righteousness and peace, meaning horizontally. That peace with one another is what we're supposed to strive for. And then joy in the Holy Spirit. When those first two exist, there's joy. In the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about what we've done in the past because of our freedom.
Think about the divisions we've caused with believers. The world is always going to hate us. I mean, you go out there and you live for Christ. Jesus says, the world hated me first. So he's going to hate you, the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking within the body of Christ. Our opinions have caused so much division in the body of Christ. What Paul calls opinions, disputable matters, not black and white in Scripture. And yet we don't have the patience for other believers and we want to say we love one another. It isn't about that. It isn't about that, you guys. We need to ask ourselves, what can I do to build up like Paul says? How do I build up the body? How do I build up that brother who's weaker in the faith? Because I want to disciple them. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977